right. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Keith the Heights Baptist Church. And uh, got a few people here in the auditorium once again. And uh, the Roberts and Brother Harold and Jonathan and myself, and that's about it. So we're still following the protocol here of uh, 10 or less. But good to have other folks that are tuning in. We've had a, a good number of folks tuning in. We had 135 Saturday morning or uh, Friday morning, I think, that watched the little morning devotion time. So uh, I appreciate those of you that are tuning in. I know uh, some of our Sunday sermons even have been uh, up near the hundreds, and so I uh, thank you for tuning in. And I know there's other people around that are that are listening and watching that don't normally go to church here, and I hope that it will be a help and encouragement. So we're going to be in uh, Genesis chapter 36 today, if you want to take your Bibles. And we've been studying through uh, the book of Genesis and the life of Jacob and we're getting uh, towards the last few chapters uh, that will deal with Jacob, and um, uh, very, uh, very excited about uh, going on from here and seeing what God uh, has for us in the Book of Genesis. And we've been almost a year, or a little, probably a year and maybe a year and one month, I think, or so, uh, studying the Book of Genesis, and uh, we're just now at chapter 36, so we're making good progress here, but. Uh, <clears throat> Certainly have enjoyed the study. And um, let's uh, take some prayer, requ- prayer requests real quick. Uh, do you guys have anything, those of you that are here, do you all have anything we need to pray for this morning? That's it. We're all good. Everybody's got everything they need. Everything they want. No, not everything they want, maybe. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. 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 <coughs> okay. All right, so pray for this couple for Brother Harold. Okay. All right. And um uh, hoping that the Lord would open opportunity. Okay. All right, good. So pray for that. Um, continue to pray for um, uh, Sarah Harris, who's at home, also June Bolin. Uh, and uh, Miss June's had some answers to prayer uh, by way of uh, some family matters they've been praying about, uh, but still is having some physical issues, and so continue to pray for that. Um, and pray that God will bless there. Brother Bob Schwabert, uh, Linda Craig, uh, continue to pray for her. And then Jennifer Craig uh, sent a prayer request in this morning. 
um, by way of text asking if we could pray that uh, the coronavirus would get over soon. They're uh, quarantined into the, the My Place residential place, and they're not able to get out and about. Uh, they are allowed to go out on the, on the porch, and that's about it. So she's got cabin fever, I think, and that's uh, all of us, I think, are experiencing some of that to some degree. So pray for, um, pray for that to be over. She really has been asking that they be allowed to come to church on Easter Sunday, which is next Sunday. And um, I don't see that happening unless God uh, does a miracle, which he can do if we need to. And uh, <coughs> so pray for that, if you will. And then uh, uh, the building uh, for the uh, folks there at Beacon Baptist, and uh, pray that God will bring the right person along to buy that, and that, that burden will be taken away. Um, also continue to pray for Laverne Payne uh, and her recovery, and uh, making some decisions about how she's going to uh, proceed from here forward with regards to uh, living by herself or living with some of her children or uh, being in a place where there's other folks around. Um, so a lot of things to be in prayer about, and um, then pray for uh, certainly our country and those people that are affected uh, by the coronavirus. Um, I certainly think that there's been an awful lot uh, of overstatement about some things, a lot of misinformation, and because of that, uh, our government has erred to the side of caution, which I can understand, but um, pray that uh, we as God's people are not in a panic, Okay. Uh, yes, we're careful. Yes, we want to uh, take precautions, but we have no reason to fear. And uh, I don't want our folks to be anxious. I don't want them to be nervous. Uh, I mean, the worst thing that will happen is we'll get to go on to heaven. Amen? And either way, uh, we're excited uh, about what God will do in the area of, um, of uh, bringing this thing to an end and a close and looking forward to what God has. For those that are lost, those that do not know Christ as their Savior, uh, that he would open doors of opportunity for us to be able to share that with him. It could be uh, by way of Internet or telephone or text in the next few days, but occasionally we'll even bump into some folks uh, that are part of the, um, what are they calling it, the necessary people, the folks that are necessary to work and be out and around. And so uh, we still have some opportunity to share the gospel and be looking for those times of opportunity, if you would. Uh, so a lot of things to be praying about, and uh, then pray for uh, our church here. Uh, I haven't said a whole lot about giving. Uh, our people have been very, very faithful, and I thank the Lord for that. And uh, But uh, do keep in mind that we have bills to pay here, and so try to uh, uh, be sensitive to that and what the Lord would have you to do by way of your giving. <clears throat> we do have uh, opportunity for you to come by on Sundays. Uh, while we're here, uh, the front doors are open, the offering box is there. You can step in and drop it in the offering box and not come into contact with anybody if you'd like to do that. Uh, we do have a way to electronically give on our website if you'd like to do that as well and would ask you to keep that um, uh, mindful, if you would, and prayerful uh, that God will continue to bless and meet the needs of the church here. And so far, he's been very faithful. He's always faithful. But uh, I appreciate him encouraging our people to be faithful, and that's been a blessing to see. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we're thankful for the privilege to come to you in prayer, and we do bring these uh, requests to you by faith. And we do believe that not only can you answer them, but you will, and that your will will be done. And Lord, I guess really the, the way we ought to pray more, more so than anything is that you would help our hearts to be in such a place that when the answer comes, we are rejoicing that your will has been done in it. 
Lord, regardless of the outcome of whatever our thoughts would be on it, to be able to look at it and realize that your will has taken place. And so, Father, there's folks here that need uh, healing physically. We think of Miss June today, uh, Miss Laverne, Miss Sarah Harris, Brother Bob Schwabert, and Lord, the, the time that they're going through as a family, continue to uh, give comfort and grace there. We pray for the folks at My Place Residential, and I know Jennifer this morning uh, asking prayer that uh, they be able to leave the place soon. And Lord, we do pray that you would allow the quarantines to uh, be lifted and uh, that there would be a time where uh, we can go out without being fearful or, or anxious about uh, the uh, how contagious things are and how careful we have to be. And so, Father, we do pray that you would uh, bring uh, an ease and a peace to our hearts and our minds. Lord, a lot of people that are worried, a lot of people that are fretting over the things that are going on right now and uh, even decisions made by our government leaders. And while I know that they are attempting to uh, put our best interest at heart, we do pray that you would give them wisdom that exceeds their human wisdom and help them make right choices and right decisions. And then, Father, as your people, I pray that you would help us to be in the frame of mind to uh, follow those things as long as they are within the bounds of your guidelines and that uh, as much as possible we can follow civil law. But yet I pray, Lord, that you would help us to remain steadfast in our faith and that we would not be unfaithful in things. And so, Lord, we do pray that you would bless in that area. Uh, bless the services today, that they will be an encouragement to us. And may your Holy Spirit guide us and direct us and instruct us. May he open the uh, pages of this book to our minds and our hearts, that we would understand its truth. And bless this morning, Lord, fill us with your power and give us your strength and um, enable us to do uh, the work that really man cannot do, and that is to bring a change to the hearts of other folks. And I pray that you would begin in me, that you would uh, stir my heart afresh and anew, and may it uh, go out <clears throat> to a point where other folks are stirred and encouraged and convicted, and Lord, where needful, uh, that we are instructed and reproved. But Father, we pray that you would receive the honor and glory out of all of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> All right, Genesis chapter number 36, and uh, we're just going to bring you up to speed real quick in about three or four minutes here. Um, we spent a couple weeks on chapter 35. Uh, chapter 35, we find Jacob once again um, initially uh, being obedient to God. God told him at the very first verse of chapter 35, he said, I want you to go to Bethel. And again, remember where Jacob has been. He's been in Shechem for a long time at that point. Uh, probably close to 10 or so years, maybe 12 years, as, as much as 12 years maybe, some folks think. And um, the impact, the influence that that city has had on his family. Uh, it's brought him to idolatry uh, to the point where he had to go into his household when God told him to go back to Bethel. Um, there wasn't just one small God that Rachel brought from her fathers, but by now the family has been infiltrated with idolatry. And uh, so God comes to him at the beginning of chapter 35, <clears throat> tells Jacob, he says, I want you to go to Bethel. And he says this, I want you to dwell there. Now remember when he went to Shechem, he built uh, booths for his uh, his cattle and he built uh, uh, places for him to, to reside in. And uh, his intent was to uh, kind of establish um, a permanent or semi-permanent uh, place to dwell. Um, understand that Jacob up until this time in his life 
even though he had been a length of time, 20 years or so at Laban's, um, he really still was considered, at least in this portion of his life, being a sojourner, that he didn't really have a place to settle. And uh, when God had told him to go back to the land of his fathers, I believe God's intent was for him to go back to Bethel, to, to, to dwell there, to be at the place where God had met with him and uh, where he could commune with God and where God would be a, a great influence on him and his family. Uh, he went to Shechem, and of course we know the results there in, in chapter 33 and 34. And then finally God comes to him and says, I want you to go to Bethel, and he does. He goes to Bethel, the first half of uh, chapter 35, which is a good thing. But uh, then we see that he leaves Bethel. And again, I, I shared with you last week, and I, I, I can't prove this from Scripture, but uh, very very good possibility that um, influenced by uh, Rachel, uh, Rachel never really seemed to have um, uh, a disposition toward God. Uh, it wasn't natural for her. There was a time when Joseph was born, if you'll remember back, that she does give praise to God for opening her womb. But that was a very brief moment in her life. The rest of the time, you don't see a whole lot uh, about Rachel's spiritual condition. I haven't said a lot about that other than we brought it to bear last week a little bit. But it causes us to question and wonder about Jacob's leadership in the home. Because I do believe that Jacob had a heart for God. I really do. I think, his, I think he, he had a desire to follow God, but he was, I think he was a very weak person as far as uh, being influenced by others and outside sources. And before we're too critical of him, uh, so are we many times. Uh, we get, we get uh, influenced by so many things. And we look back on them and we're, we're almost ashamed or embarrassed by what has influenced our decisions. So I'm not, I'm not being overly harsh on Jacob other than to point it out that more than likely he was influenced because God had told him, I want you to dwell there. And God had not told him to leave, and yet he leaves. And he goes to uh, the area just around where his uh, father Isaac lives and is in the, uh, the local area there. And at that point, uh, Esau was still living in that general area. Uh, they were still considered to be sojourners, Isaac, Esau, Jacob, all of them. They were in a land where they, it was not their people. They were, uh, they were still considered outsiders, even though they'd been there for many, many years. We'll find that as we get uh, into chapter number 36. Uh, so anyway, uh, Jacob leaves uh, Bethel. Uh, he pays the price for it, and we talked about that last week, how that uh, we can make uh, our own choices. God gives us a free will. He gives us that liberty. But we are not free to choose the consequences of our choices. And when, when we make a choice that is in line with what God's will is, uh, then our consequences will be great. They'll be wonderful. Uh, we'll rejoice. We'll have peace. We'll have guidance in life. Um, and God's hand of blessing upon us. But when we make choices that are outside of God's will and we choose to do our own thing, it's those times that... Uh, we find a, a great failure, and uh, Jacob bears the scars. He loses Rachel. She, she dies in childbirth. Um, his own son, Reuben, his firstborn, the one that was uh, the heir to uh, Jacob's family, and we'll find out later on that uh, more than likely because uh, of Reuben's um, uh, immorality with uh, one of Jacob's concubines, that he loses that place, uh, and that's given now later on to Joseph. Um, and then uh, Isaac passes away. So again, Jacob bears the marks. He he has scars. Um, and I apologize. I should have turned that thing off there. And um, but he bears the scars 
for um, for his his moving away from Bethel again, and he he stays there. Uh, he doesn't go back to Bethel again after this point, and um, so that brings us to chapter number thirty six, and uh, just after. Uh, Isaac uh, passes away in verse number 29 of chapter 35. We find now these are the generations of Esau who is Edom. Now, I'm not going to read the entire chapter of 36. There's a lot of genealogy in here. Um, Genealogies are good. We can take time to read them. I think we ought to. There's things that we can uh, find out uh, sometimes tucked into the folds of genealogies. Um, there are certainly, it's a very unique study to go in and look up the definitions of the names of some of these people. Uh, very interesting to see what they named their children sometimes. Uh, but more than anything, the genealogies are there to give us a scale of time, uh, a reference to a point of time and how we're uh, following through in the history of, of what's being unfolded here in Scripture. But there are a few things that I do want to bring out in uh, Genesis chapter 36, and we're going to move uh, rather quickly into chapter number 37, and Lord willing, get uh, into there today. The first one I want you to see is in verse number 1, uh, is where it says, Now these are the generations of Esau, who is Edom. Okay, so I-, I want you to keep in mind, because later on as we get into uh, Exodus and uh, moving on from there, we're going to find that the Edomites uh, are the descendants of, of, of Esau, and they are going to play a role. And uh, very, very important that we understand who the Edomites are. Uh, it will help make sense of some things that happen later on between the Edomites and the Israelites. So I want you to just keep in mind and, and just kind of tuck that in the file of your memory, if you can, uh, that uh, the Edomites are Esau's descendants. Uh, then we go on down, and, and it talks about verse number 2. Esau took his wives, notice this, of the daughters of Canaan. Now, we've talked a little bit about how that God had worked also in uh, Esau's life to give him grace when he met with Jacob for the first time. Uh, And uh, Jacob wasn't sure what was going to happen there. And there's no doubt that God has done some kind of work in Esau's life. However, uh, we do not see Esau departing from the idea of marrying uh, women that are from the Canaanite line of, of things and the uh, people that uh, they were not supposed to intermarry or mingle with. If you remember back, the first uh, woman that Esau married uh, was somebody that was a, uh, the only reason he did it, I believe, was, and the Bible even talked about it, that it was the sorrow of his mother and his father, that it was something that was uh, sorrowful to them. And notice this, that even though God has worked in his life, perhaps to some degree, we still find that he's given to marrying uh, folks from the, the folks uh, from the Canaanites uh, and even his children. And again, we find a wonderful example here in Scripture of how our actions will impress and affect those that come after us. They're going to look at our example and they're going to follow that. It's amazing uh, how much influence we have on the generation to come. And we many times don't uh, live with that mind in view, that mindset in view, that thought in view. Um, There's a lot of times that we go about uh, making our own choices, going our own way, without giving any thought at all to how is this going to influence my children or my children's children or that generation of folks. Um... And, you know, we live in a day where there is a, a false 
teaching that has become very prominent in our churches. And that is, it doesn't matter how you live outwardly, as long as your heart is right with God. But I found this, that uh, the Bible teaches very clearly that a good tree doesn't bring forth bad fruit. Uh, the, the clean water doesn't give forth bitter water. Uh, neither can a bitter uh, river give off clean water. And, and the Bible teaches these things. And for some reason, we have swallowed a fleshly, a worldly philosophy that the outside doesn't matter. It matters a great deal. It is the testimony that influences the generations coming after us. And so verse number 2, I think, is very significant in that very first part of it. As it says, Esau took his wives of the daughters of Canaan. Uh, he has not departed from that practice. He's, he's continued in that. And as a result, his children did so also. Uh, now, I want you to look down at verse number 6. And, and I'm not going to read all the genealogies, and I'll be real honest with you. Why? Because I can't pronounce half of them. So <laughs> rather than do that, I'm going to let you read them, okay? I'm going to bring out the important parts. I can't say that. That's like saying one verse is better than another. Uh, it's all important, but you're understanding what I'm getting. We're going to look at the key things uh, in verse number 6 is another one. Uh, again, we see, And Esau took his wives and his sons and his daughters and all the persons of his house and his cattle and all beasts, all his beasts, and all his substance which he had gotten in the land of Canaan and went into the country from the face of his brother Jacob. So at this point, uh, Jacob has come to Esau. Uh, he's moved back into the area. And so Esau finally says, You know what? It's time for me to go. Uh, and notice what it says, verse number 7. For their riches were more than that they might dwell together, and the land wherein they were strangers could not bear them because of their cattle. Thus Esau, uh, thus dwelt Esau in Mount Seir, and Esau is Edom. And again, he, he reinforces that. Become, they become the Edomites. I thought this was an interesting thing as I read that passage because I don't look at Esau as some uh, super spiritual young man. I don't look at him as a man of great spiritual integrity or character. I think out of the two, even though Jacob has had his ups and downs, I believe that Jacob has probably had more of a heart for God or a desire to be um, uh, what God wanted him to be. But I want you to notice that God has blessed them both. Why do you think God has blessed them both? I thought on this for a while. I mean, Isaac, if you think about it, Isaac was kind of like a, a, a lukewarm kind of a fellow as far as the things that the Lord were concerned. We don't see a lot about Isaac. In fact, he, if you remember back when we studied him, he didn't put a whole lot of emphasis to his sons about the Lord. He, he was more concerned about what they did uh, with the, their fruit of the ground and out there being a hunter and uh, was more concerned about things that were... Day-to-day um, -day things, but not really thinking or teaching them and pointing them towards uh, God. Why would God so bless Esau just the same way that He had Jacob? I've given some thought to that, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I believe, and I think the Bible will support this. I, I'm pretty certain of this because we have found that several times God has blessed the child for the father's sake. In other words, when Isaac was blessed, 
And when Jacob was blessed later on, God even told them, I'm doing this for Abraham's sake. God made a promise to Abraham that his seed would prosper, that there would be great nations made of them. And even when, um, uh, when Esau uh, was born, there was a, a promise that God had given to Abraham that included Esau. And I will say this, that it gives us a wonderful picture of God's faithfulness. Uh, did Esau deserve it? <laughs> the truth is no. But, but neither did Jacob. And any blessings that God gave were because of His grace. They were unmerited favor. And because He had given His word all the way back at Abraham's time, that He would bless His seed forever. Uh, that gives us some hope, doesn't it? Uh, I don't think that God ought to bless us in spite of our conduct. I think He ought to bless us because of it. But I'm thankful that we have a God who is always faithful to His Word. When He makes something a promise, when He gives us uh, His Word on something, you can mark it down, it's going to come to pass. And I always have appreciated that. The rest of the chapter, again, is uh, genealogies, and that's going to bring us then to chapter number 37. I did want to bring out a couple of thoughts there in chapter number 36. So let's move on to chapter 37, verse number 1. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger. Uh, again, who was Jacob's father? Uh, it was Isaac, right? And the Bible says, even though Isaac's been here now for a long, long time, I mean, probably 40 plus years or so, maybe more than that, but it still considers him to be a stranger in the land. Uh, he's in the land of Canaan and, and Again, uh, this isn't his land yet. God has promised it to him, but he's considered a stranger in this land. Uh, and it says here, uh, wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Jacob being 17 years old and feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now, uh, th there's going to be a break here uh, in the thought, but I want you to understand at the very beginning that we're getting an indication that jo Joseph was one to... Um, he, he becomes a man of integrity. Some people look at this and say, well, he was just a tattletale. Can I tell you, the, the, the term tattletale uh, has been so misused. It means to bear false witness, to tell a tale that's not true. And we have gotten in a day where when people do wrong, we, we criticize people for bringing that wrong to light. Can I tell you this? Uh, when there's something wrong, uh, I, I think it needs to be given responsibility. We need to take responsibility for it. Uh, it's not wrong to, to, to bring somebody. In fact, the Bible says this. If a man be overtaken in a fault, what are we supposed to do? Keep our mouths shut so that we're not tattletaling on them? It says, we which are spiritual are to restore such a one. The whole purpose of bringing this thing to light is to bring correction to it. Uh, not, not, to, not to make ourselves look better and look, make them look worse, but to bring light to it so it can be corrected. Now, we're going to find that Joseph becomes a man of great integrity, even to the point that he was willing to risk the love and the, and the care for his brothers, uh, from his brothers to be able to do what was right. This is an amazing thing to me with Joseph because when we look at Jacob's life, uh, Jacob's life is marked by low points spiritually. I mean, there's times he was a scoundrel. I mean, he just was 
away from God, cold to God, allowed idols into his house. And then there were times that he you know, put the idols away, went back to Bethel and was on the spiritual mountaintop. And yet we find that one of his sons, Joseph, becomes a man of absolute character and integrity. As we begin the study of Joseph's life here over the next several weeks, you're going to find that there is a consistency in Joseph's character that we have not seen in his father Jacob. That's encouraging to me because we live in a world that tells you that you're a product of your environment, that if you weren't raised in a godly home that you're more than likely going to have problems. Can I tell you, every man has to make his own choice. And while Joseph didn't have the best encouragement at home, he certainly did not have the best example at home. Joseph turns out to be a man of godly character and godly testimony. It's an amazing story. And if you ever stop to think about the life of Joseph, you're not going to find a time where he turns from God. You're not going to find a time where he does like his father did and he gets excited about the things of God, and then he just lets it kind of grow cold. And then he gets excited. Joseph always holds faithful to the truth of God and his faith in God and to God's faithfulness to him. He always holds true to it. Now, the Bible says this, verse number 3, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all the brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Now, this coat of many colors was given uh, as a symbol of uh, this is uh, the one that I am blessing. This is the one that I'm... And, and Joseph, it, it kind of becomes understood at this point that Joseph is going to be the one that at the end of Jacob's life is going to be the one that gets the blessing. He's going to be the one that uh, is going to be... Uh, the one that takes the place, if you will, of what Reuben should have been. And in a lot of ways, he does. He takes over that space that, that really Reuben probably should have had as far as the, the way that things were practiced in that day. And uh, so they, they find out that he's the favorite. And when his brethren saw, verse number four, that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. You ever had that kind of grudge against somebody that you felt you couldn't speak to them? There have been times that uh, there have been people that have been very very mean to me, uh, have attacked me in some ways, and it's hard. <laughs> it's very difficult, isn't it, to go and talk with them peaceably, to next time you see them on the street not feel like you just got to walk away and, and bite your tongue. But, you know, if, if we give grace the way that God has given us grace, then we will be able to still speak peaceably with those that do wrong to us. These, these men, these brethren, certainly not uh, what we would call spiritual giants, uh, are so angry at this concept that Joseph is the favorite uh, that they cannot even speak anything good to him. Uh, this would be the kind of mindset that they avoid him. And if they ever see him coming towards them, they would go out of their way to not confront him or not be face-to-face -face with him. Or if they did, have to be in a, a close place with him, that there was nothing good that they could say. There's nothing kind that they could say. And uh, this was the way they hated their brother. Now, verse number 5, we begin to see a couple of dreams that Joseph has. And I want us to think this morning on the dreams. And I want to bring something to light that uh, to me is a very 
uh, good truth of Scripture, something that we can strive uh, to attain in our lives, I think, that would be very helpful. So let's look at uh, verse number 5. There's an awful lot in these dreams. A lot more could be said about them. A lot more could be taught on them. But I want to bring out a specific point on them today. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his, uh, told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. Now understand, at this point, Joseph isn't full of pride here. He's not saying this in an arrogant way. He's just telling them, hey, this is a dream I had. Uh, he doesn't understand all the significance yet of this dream. But his brothers become very jealous about it. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren. And he said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves unto thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the same. We see something here that the brethren did not put a lot of, exp a lot of weight into the dream. But Jacob did. Jacob understood and knew that there are times that God would indicate and make clear his will for, the, uh, for his life, or his plan for his life through visions. He had been to Bethel. He had seen the stairway. He had had times where God had come to him personally and blessed his life and given him uh, things that, that he wanted Jacob to know. And so he understood that these dreams were significant. I believe he told Joseph so. I believe he made sure that Joseph understood these are not just any dreams. These are dreams that come from God. And uh, so it says here in verse number 12, And his brethren went to feed the father's flock in Shechem. Now I'm going to stop right there for today, and I'm not sure we'll have time to go much further in the chapter. But here's the thought I want to bring about the dreams. I've heard a lot of good messages uh, dissecting these dreams and seeing the parallels that are drawn. Uh, Joseph is a wonderful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, and there are many, many parallels that can be drawn between the life of Joseph and the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I understand that. But there's a thought I want us to get this morning, and that is this, that God, early in, Jake, uh, in Joseph's life, at 17 years of age or somewhere around that time, indicates what he is going to do through Joseph. He gives that to Joseph. He tells him. He says, this is what's going to happen. And he does that through some dreams. Now, I... I when we look at Joseph's faithfulness, and I brought that to light just a moment ago throughout his life, there's something unique about what God did in showing Joseph what he was going to be doing with his life, how he was going to be working in Joseph's life. He showed him that there's going to come a time where his parents and even his brethren are going to bow to him. In other words, he's going to be elevated. God is going to elevate him to a place in, in the, this life, in the life that he was living, that God was going to elevate him to a place of authority, a place of respect. But there's something that God does not include in the dreams that to me just makes the faithfulness of Joseph and the faith of Joseph even that much more amazing. God does not indicate to Joseph 
that he's going to be thrown into a pit. He does not indicate to Joseph in these dreams that his brothers are going to threaten to kill him. He doesn't see in these dreams that he's going to be sold into slavery. He doesn't see that he's going to be accused of raping his, his master's wife. He doesn't see that he's going to be thrown into prison. He doesn't see that there's going to be famine in the land at this point. And yet, when all of those things happened, and this, this is why I think sometimes if we're not careful, we'll read the Scripture and, and we'll just kind of plow right through it and not stop to think about this. But God had promised an elevation to Joseph, and yet none of that happened for a period of years. In fact, through those period of years, Joseph went from here, and he's going to end up here, but he doesn't go this line. He goes way down here, doesn't he, in the valley. He goes into, he goes into slavery. His brothers are wanting to kill him. He goes uh, into prison for being falsely accused. And, and you would look at Joseph's life at any step along there and say, Joseph, this isn't what God told you was going to happen to your life. And this would be the question. Are you sure, Joseph, that God is going to do this? And this is the amazing thing to me about Joseph's faith. Not one time from the time of these dreams until this happens does Joseph doubt God. That's amazing to me. Because God didn't say, I'm going to exalt you, but by the way, there's going to come some problems before that happens. Can I tell you this, that God has given us in His Word the end of the story of our lives. There are times He indicates His plan and His will to us. But He doesn't always tell us every step. And what He expects from you and I is to trust Him whether the valley comes or whether the mountaintop comes. Knowing this, that faithful is He that calleth you who also will do it. I did not expect in my life, I, I, when I went to uh, Florida out of college and, and settled in in a ministry and began to work there, I never thought I'd ever leave that ministry. Never thought I would. I never thought that I would go through um, some of the battles that we had to face in that ministry. That ministry was so well established and so well taken care of, and God had blessed it for so many years. Never thought or dreamed the kind of valleys that would come from that. Never dreamed that my family would be broken apart. But God is faithful. And I don't know what it is in your life that you can look at and say, well, I know that at the end it's all going to all work out. We're all going to be in heaven. And oh, I'm looking forward to that day, aren't you? I'm looking forward. And the older I get, the more I'm looking forward to it. To see the Lord Jesus Christ. To be able to be with Him for all eternity. But before that happens, there might be some valleys. And there's going to come times. And I'll tell you this, it's just going to happen. There's going to come times where Satan is going to try to get you to doubt God. Been there. And the truth is, I know many of you that are listening have been there. The temptations come. Well, God, if that's the way it's going to be, I, I, I just don't know if I want to continue. But God is faithful. 
I love that about this as we look at these dreams that God gives to Joseph early on in his life. Helps him understand, this is what I'm going to do, Joseph. This is what I'm going to do. And for the rest of Joseph's life, he holds fast to the promise of God. He's not shaken. When the trials come and the winds blow and the heat comes, Joseph says, but I'm trusting him. I'm trusting him. And I hope that will be an encouragement to you today, that no matter what happens, we know the promise, we know the end. Let's trust Him. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. We pray that You'll bless it and use it. And Lord, we'll delve far further into these things in weeks to come, I'm sure. But Lord, just one main thought today, and that is, Lord, You are faithful. We may not always see it. We may not always understand it, but we can always trust it. There's never a time that you are not faithful to us. There's never a time that you're not faithful to your own word and to your own character. And so, Lord, may we rest in that. May there come a great peace and a great strength to our character by putting our unshakable faith in you. That we can look forward to the end and say, while there may come valleys... I'm looking for that great and blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be encouraged today by the example of the faith that Joseph has. And I pray that you'll bless the service to come. Speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll be back in about 15 minutes, it looks like, or so.